Well, it's been about two weeks since I've actually gone on air, whether it be through the podcast or on live stream. Let's see if this shit blows up quicker than a goddamn truck full of fucking gasoline and grocery bags. You're in the doghouse. What's up, everybody? It is your boy, D-Roy, and this is the Doghouse Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by yours truly, Dennis M. Roy, RoyDog underscore 13 on Twitter and Instagram, Dennis M. Roy over on Facebook, if I even care about Facebook anymore. I kind of do. I kind of do. All right, I kind of do. I kind of care about you fucking knuckleheads over there. Oh, my goodness. What is there to talk about? What is there to talk about? I mean, there's not really. This is kind of like the dead period of the fucking NFL season, right? After the draft, everything's done. Um, we got dynasty rookie rankings. We got to go talk. We got to go through, uh, kind of explain what's going on right now, what I'm doing, and why I haven't been uh, putting any kind of production out. Uh, been doing the depth charts, been working on some spreadsheets and stuff. We got the NFL schedule that just came out yesterday. So now I can start working on the DFS spreadsheets for the season, weeks one through 18. That's right. We have an extra game this year. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But what is there to talk about? What's the big news? Oh, oh, that's right. I know what the big fucking news is. Oh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Our hometown team. Well, maybe there's Bears fans listening here, but you know what? Go fuck yourselves, all right? Oh, countless times just keep getting asked what I think about this, what's going on between Aaron Rodgers and uh, general manager Brian Gutenkust. Gutenkust? Oh, I, to, be, to be quite frank, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. I mean, there is, I know there's issues between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, you know, uh, team brass. That's what, it, you know, whether or not it's about money, if it's about the players that have been drafted, brought in via free agency in the past years, if it's finally come to a head, who the fuck knows? But everybody's got a fucking opinion about it. And the funny part is, is everybody's got this fucking opinion. Um, we talked about on the live streams, we talked about the whole thing with the San Francisco 49ers and whether or not the Broncos were actually going to get involved 
in trade discussions with the Green Bay Packers and trade, you know, first round draft picks, multiple draft picks for future years. Um, all the rumors that were floating around on draft night, the first night, that Thursday night, they were all false, which I said on the live stream, I said, I'm not listening to a fucking thing until we get closer to training camp, because that's what, when it really fucking matters. Right. Um, but everybody's got their two cents and what they're doing is regurgitating this fucking goddamn story from two weeks ago. I even, I told somebody I was going to do this podcast yesterday. I ended up not doing it. I got some, you know, I decided to do it today. More shit came out. You know, there's a signing. We'll get to it in Green Bay. I'll give you my two cents on it, what I think and why everybody's fucking wrong. But there was another article written up about what's going on in Green Bay, what's going to happen. And I, I said, don't fucking open it, Roy. Don't fucking open it. But I opened it because I'm like a cat. I'm fucking curious. I got to go check it out. I got to go bat that little fucking fuzzy little ball, that fuzzy little mouse, feather toy, whatever. I opened up the goddamn article, and it was another thing just stating that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers were fighting, and this could lead to a divorce. Great. You could have said this two fucking weeks ago. You could have said this last week, and I probably would have let it slide. But we're going on two weeks, and you're regurgitating the same fucking story. Everybody's got their opinion, and what their opinion is is that you know, this shit's going to end badly. We have no fucking clue what's going to happen. No clue. If people want to give a hypothesis on it and state, hey, look, this is what I'm thinking is going to happen, I can let that go. Because at least you're trying to make some kind of a, you know, idea of, hey, this might work. They could trade for this guy, these kind of draft, you know, some kind of draft picks, and this would work. But what everybody's doing is just say, saying, this is this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And and then they got the article, right? They link to an article. This is happening. You got to get shares of fucking Jerry Judy. You got to get shares of Cortland Sutton. You got to get shares of Noah Fant from Denver because he's getting traded to Denver. Open up the, uh, and, and like this article is proof. This article is proof. And I open it up and it says it doesn't say anything. It doesn't even say that they're fucking talking. And let alone, I did address the person who tagged that article, and I said, don't you think that maybe, like, say, for example, a guy like wide receiver Jerry Judy wouldn't wouldn't be coming back in that trade? Or do you think it's not just going to be draft pick? It's going to be players. Nothing. No fucking response. And those are my favorite tweets that I send out. Those are my favorite responses that I send out on Facebook, Instagram. The ones that do not garner, apparently, do not look like they garner any any attention. But usually the ones that I send out that don't get any type of traction are the ones where I basically made you look like a fucking idiot. And everybody's doing it. 
from Hall of Fame writers all the way down to people trying to make it within the industry. I'm staying the fuck out of it. But I'm close to fucking snapping. Because everybody's retweeting, tweeting, tagging people within, you know, this whole industry and saying, you know, and, and regurgitating their same feelings. And they're like, I, uh, I agree with you. I think I absolutely think that this is going to happen. But but you have no fucking evidence of it. And like I said, it, this isn't people actually saying this. Here's my thoughts. And, you know, yada 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 it's it's no this is this is going to happen look here's a story but there's no fucking story it's the same fucking story for two weeks ago and i'm getting really fucking tired of just seeing these people just fucking jerking people off saying oh yeah it's a great article it's a great fucking article <laughs> is that is that too soft or is that too hard you need me to relax my hand a little bit while i jerk you off here get the fuck off people's dicks quit slapping these women on the ass like they're gonna fucking have sex with you for fuck's sakes use your own goddamn rational thoughts which brings me to the next thing because blake bortles was signed uh, back as a backup quarterback, right? I didn't say the direct backup to Aaron Rodgers. I just said backup quarterback. Because in my opinion, even though Blake Bortles has been within the system, he's worked with the coaching staff before, that no matter what, if Aaron Rodgers is not in town, and this is the way I'm going to deal in hypotheticals. It's going to be if Aaron Rodgers is there or if Aaron Rodgers is not there. I'm not going to decide. I'm not going to decide where the fuck he's going. I don't give a shit. My job is to navigate a season. Whether Rodgers is there or not. Hopefully before we draft we get our answer. Because it makes it a lot easier rather than going right up into the season, right? So, Blake Bortles gets signed. Everybody, he's worked with the system. He's worked with the coaches. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't sign, he's going to be the starter. Slow your fucking roll. Blake Bortles is not coming in to be the starter if Aaron Rodgers is not there. If Aaron Rodgers is not there, it is Jordan Love's job, whether you fucking like it or not. Blake Bortles will be there to help guide him. Blake Bortles will never be the starting quarterback unless Jordan Love either just completely fucking tanks the job or gets injured. That's the only way he becomes the starter. And again, this whole thing with Blake Bortles being the guy that's going to be the man if Aaron Rodgers is not there is another one of these things where people are just can't fucking think for themselves. 
I refuse to not think for myself. I refuse to not look at what's going on and let it simmer. Take in as much information as I possibly can, which with this situation we have absolutely nothing except that they brought in a backup quarterback, so I'll just deal in that. And then my job is to relay information to try and help you interpret the best decision for your seasonal teams and for your teams when we get into DFS for the one-day contest every week. That is my job. That is the job I am. you are not paying me for. That is the job that I'm not getting paid for, but I see all these fucking pieces of shit out there getting paid for. That I'm doing 10 times better effort, 10 times better analysis, overall 10 times better work, at least. Now, is this me saying, give me money, give me money? No. I make enough money. If you want to donate, we know where it is. Even though I've said time and time again, the whole donation thing is nothing more than a joke. It's a joke that nobody in the industry really gets. It's kind of like my followers over on Twitter. Just hit over a thousand. That's great. Great. I don't give a fuck. I could have 1,000 followers. I could have 5,000 followers. I could have 500. I could have 10. It doesn't matter. What matters is, to me, is the people who have already bought into the system. They come first. If you're not bought into the system and you want to buy into the system, again, free, of course, then you get grouped in with them. I will take care of anybody who wants to believe in the product. You come first. Everybody else can go fuck themselves. But what I want you to really just sit down and think about when you see stories like this, you see people just continually retweeting, uh, liking stories, don't just like a fucking story just because it's one of your favorite people on fucking Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, anything like that. Actually look at the story. Because I'm starting to believe that at least 70-75% of the shit that's out there is just regurgitated bullshit. And when the first source is incompetent, it leads all the way up the chain. And like I said, we'll let them fall on their own swords and die 
We will take advantage of it. We will succeed. We will make the most money. That is our goal. It is a game. We want to have fun with it. But of course, you have way more fun with it when that cash is getting put in your bank account. So without further ado, now that I'm done bitching about that, hope that was a good enough rant. I don't know. I never know. It would have been a better rant, I think, yesterday. But then we had to Blake Bortle news and stuff, so it actually works out because I wanted to talk about that too. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton has been cut today from uh, the Denver Broncos. So if the Packers need another wide receiver, maybe they can grab him. I don't know. That's just my two cents. I don't think they should, but I never was in on him. But any which way. We have Dynasty rookie rankings we need to go through. Um, Hopefully everybody's enjoying them. I haven't gotten any messages back on them, at least nothing that I have seen. Um, But check them out. Like Like I've always said, you don't have to agree with them. You have your own feelings on it. The only thing that I can do is put the information out there, my own feelings on it, and that's... You know, you interpret that through the actual rankings themselves. I don't do much writing as far as uh, kind of getting into the discussions with the players because that list runs so long um, that if you actually wanted to print it out, um, you know, right now it's nine pages long. So, you really want to? Did you really want me to print out forty pages? Because I doubt you were going to sit there at a dynasty rookie draft and have this whole thing uh, there if I ended up going about you know 30 to 40 pages, which I can do if I put the full analysis out. Um, but you do have <clears throat> the you know the draft guide that had all the rookies in there. You can kind of look you can go back through, you can look uh, look up at their uh, 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 statistics and see how they did in college if you don't believe me, if you want to come up with some kind of reasoning. Um, based on the NFL offense that they're going into, hey, I, I don't mind. I don't mind having a discussion on anything. I really don't. You can tell me I'm a fucking idiot. I'm fucking wrong, and I'm gonna be like, look, man, there's my two cents, and it is what it is. But you decide. You decide. It's your teams. The only thing I can do is just put the information, what I think, my feelings on it, and hope that we're and hope that. Me myself, when I when I put these together, is I'm giving you the correct information. You can still research it. Um, if anybody has any keeper t- keeper type questions, year to year keeper questions, um, I will take them. Uh, now you know where to find me. We'll end up getting into a live stream here soon enough. Um, I'm going to try and figure out. A good day, good night, I should say, where it's kind of weekly, where we do a live stream every week on that time, um, and hopefully, maybe I'll get a, a person or a, a person or two on there, uh, where we can kind of discuss ideas and stuff like that, and and bounce uh, thoughts and stuff off each other. 
hoping to do that. Um, maybe doing it on Sunday nights because that'll help with the. Because <clears throat> then I'll have the podcast. I can record on on Monday. Um, mm. If I'm going to do a live stream, though. What I'm going to try and do is actually record that live stream using my uh, Spreaker uh, tool. That's what I normally record on and send it out to like Apple, Spotify, and all that. I'm going to try and actually get it recorded so then you can actually listen to the conversation as well. Um, but I unfortunately, <clears throat> scheduling conflicts are are abundant right now, and I need another person to kind of bounce it off. And try different things with uh, shares. I, I want to work on sharing a screen and stuff, so I can I can show off um, like the depth charts and stuff. What I'm kind of going through and what I'm talking about um, on the live streams. So uh, working on that will probably be a couple more weeks, but um, we'll see what we can do. Uh, definitely liked doing the Zoom meeting and uh, putting that out on Facebook Live. I'm trying to work. I'm also going to try out and get it to work, see if I can get it to work because it's supposed to be able to do it on YouTube, uh, but I was having issues with that. I did have somebody reach out to me and tell me that they would help me with it. Um, I just haven't gotten back to them yet on there, but I did thank them for their uh, uh, for their reaching out and telling me that they would definitely help me out. So appreciate that. So dynasty rookie rankings. We're gonna go. We're gonna go hard. We're gonna go fast on this. Uh, we are twenty minutes in. This is probably gonna take us another probably twenty twenty five minutes. So uh, let's get started here, <clears throat> and we start with number one. Um, a lot of arguments are gonna be made between number one and number two. Uh, in my opinion, it's it is what it is. I did put Javante Williams. Uh, the running back from North Carolina went to Denver as the number one guy, uh, but it's very, very close to Najee Harris. Now, the reason why I went Javante Williams over Najee Harris is really had a lot more to do with the <clears throat> offensive line in Denver. Now, they did have an injury. Uh, Jawan James, the right offensive tackle, uh his Achilles. They did sign uh, former Bears right tackle Bobby Massey today. Uh, so they are set again at offensive line. Um, Javante Williams does have Melvin Gordon in front of him. Uh, but what I believe is going to happen is, you know, liking the offensive line, what we're going to see is kind of like a Jordan Taylor from last year, where it kind of starts off slow. Earlier in the year, work down, and it starts popping, right? Just starts popping. Very good defense. Yeah, we're a little bit worried about the quarterback. I don't want to talk about Aaron Rodgers right now. With Drew Locke, right? This is going to be a ball, a, a major ball control offense. Um, I'm not going to buy too much into the wide receivers, at least not at the right value uh, for right now. But... Um, this is definitely going to be one of those heavier ground rushing attacks with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. They'll work them back and forth. Um, so that's that's kind of why I like I like Javante over Najee Harris. Uh, Najee will have the job from day one, so he has that going for him. Sorry, I'm just pulling up my ADP tracking 
charts here. <clears throat> One thing I forgot to do here. Um, so I don't really like uh, Najee Harris this year. I do kind of like him next year. Uh, they should build on that offensive line. You know, Ben Roethlisberger is due to retire here any minute. Um, but give me Javante Williams over Najee Harris at two any point in time. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to running backs. We'll see what their ADP is. You did get the ADP charts. That's from the NFC, the National um, Fantasy Championship. Uh, NFL, if you if you don't know what NFC is, but you know what NFFC NFBC, the National Fantasy Baseball Championship, or the National Fantasy Football Championship. Uh, those are run by Greg Ambrosius and Tom Kesnick. Uh, most of those uh, you can do online. They also have the live Vegas draft. So uh, what we have here, I got the information from the ADP. This is all last week's ADP up through Saturday. Um, I will be running this every Sunday morning again this year. Uh, only took me about two hours this, this time, so it'll take me a little bit longer um, as the season goes on just because I f- start flipping around player names and everything like that. Uh, but Najee Harris actually was RB14. He was taken with his consensus number 20 overall uh, pick. Javante Williams is RB26 right now. He is 57th overall in NFFC drafts, so at a lot of those drafters, those are a little bit more elite guys that are drafting in those leagues uh, for their best balls. Uh, they are on Harris right now um, and not on Javante. But I will tell you, if you're drafting right now, I will take I will take that Javante Williams stock right now. Um, that is a fourth round. That is that is late fourth round. That is almost fifth round. Uh, value right now Uh, by the time we get to the draft season he may bounce up he'll be up somewhere about the third round okay this is gonna inflate just like taylor so it's gonna be third round it's probably gonna be early third by the time he by the time we get around to the season Hmm. so third third guy i have is travis etn uh the running back from in jacksonville came from clemson a lot of people not high on ETN, uh, but I'm not in agreement with them. Uh, James Robinson was not drafted by the staff, and ETN was. That is a big deal, and it will pay off big time when he becomes the main running back in this backfield, and he can become the main backfield uh, running back. ETN is just way too much more explosive than Robinson, and don't pay attention to the third down back chatter because he can do it all for this team. Travis ETN is actually above Javante Williams. So ETN... RB23, 47 overall. Now, next, at number four, we have Jamar Chase, wide receiver for Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, He is the LSU wide receiver who worked with Joe Burrow uh, in 2019 when they won the national championship. Uh, Chase is far and away the best wide receiver in this draft, and hooking back up with his LSU quarterback pal Joe Burrow is the best thing that could have happened to him, in my opinion. The defense has gotten a bit better, but expect the team to still be playing from behind, and that means playing of throws to the Bengals' new number one wide receiver. Now, you may be asking the question, you may be hearing a little bit more about <clears throat> the, for dynasty drafts, this is uh, Jamar Chase a little bit higher, say, over ETN. 
uh, quite possibly as a number two pick because he is that far and away above the other wide receivers. You can, okay? Now, when I make these rankings, you don't have to go number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. When you're doing your dynasty drafts, you have to look at your own team. Now, whether or not you need a state, you know, another addition to your stable of running backs or you need an addition to your receiving core that's what's going to determine what you're picking and when you're picking so jamar chase if you're number two and you really you really set at running back right you're all your running backs are under the age of 27 um stable healthy all that noise but you need a wide receiver to start grooming now because you're getting a little bit older. You have Julio Jones. Um, who else can we put in? DeAndre Hopkins, right? So they're getting a bit older. Um, you need a guy to kind of groom in there, especially with Julio, because Julio could retire at any time. Um, then you might want to look at Jamar Chase, because you need somebody who can give you that top-tier uh, talent output sometime down the road. Now, he can do it this year. He can pull a Justin Jefferson. He can be Justin Jefferson this year. He can. But for me, it's always going to be running backs at the top. Granted, you get a longer shelf life with wide receivers, um, tight ends, quarterbacks, right, than you do at the running back position. But it all comes down to what you need. What does your team need? That's what you're drafting for. Now, Jamar Chase comes in at wide receiver 26. He is 62nd overall, so he's still a fifth-round pick. Uh, That's plenty good in regular ADP, regular redrafts. Kyle Pitts comes in at number five. He's a tight end for Atlanta. It's really hard not to like Pitts in this Atlanta offense and the potential that he has because he is incredibly talented and is basically a larger wide receiver playing tight end. I would expect him to shift out to the slot from time to time and basically destroy the smaller DBs that try to cover him. If you don't need a type uh, top-end running back or are happy with your wide receiver core, then I find it fine to draft him as he could be the next Travis Kelsey. Just don't expect Kelsey-type numbers in year one. Him having extreme success in this offense is really going to be kind of dictated on what happens with Julio Jones. Um Thank you, Brandon Belt, for coming back to healthy. Um, you really want Julio Jones to play this year because you want Julio. You want you want Julio on one side. You want Kelvin Ridley on the other side. You want Kyle Pitts to either be at the tight end or he's going to slip out in that slot, which means that they can't cover all three. And if Kyle Pitts is in the middle and gets away, he's fucking gone against those smaller defensive backs. It just is what it is. It's nature. It's science. Believe in the science. So, but Kyle Pitts right now comes in at tight end five, pick 71. So he is, boy, he's high right now. That's a sixth round. That's a, no, that's a fifth round pick. Almost a sixth round pick. He is right above TJ Hawkinson by about two picks. So he's going high. He's going high. Uh, again, with Kyle Pitts, if you're good at, like I said, if you're good at wide receiver, if you're good at uh, running back, then I would definitely consider Kyle Pitts. Um, I just would not take him, like, say, number one or number two. Number three, sure. 
Number six is Trevor Lawrence, quarterback for Jacksonville. Uh, Lawrence is the best quarterback in this draft class, and if you need a quarterback to groom for the future, don't look any further. This kid is the real deal and is going to start from day one, and if you like Joe Burrow last year, you're going to like Goldilocks in Jacksonville. He should get the most out of DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, and Marvin Jones. Um, but just don't expect, you know, you know, you can expect him to be... Expectations year one, you were you'd be hoping for a mid range QB two uh, to high end QB two, so not the top twelve, but close. Right now he's coming in at QB fourteen, ninety third pick overall, so it's about seventh round. Um, still a little too high for me, but um, it kind of is what it is. Nothing you can really do right now. Uh, that should actually push back a little bit deeper. Um, just because of the excitement of the draft and everything else. Um, that's why he's pushed up right now. Number seven is Devontae Smith, wide receiver from Philadelphia. Really like Smith, and even though he has a lean frame, he is going to be really good in this offense and is already the best wide receiver on the team. I have some concerns about injuries, but based on pure talent, I love what I see from this kid. Um, I'm not going to delve too much into injury concerns with a guy that has been has been able to stay on the field his whole, you know, pretty much his whole uh, Alabama career. So I don't really have that many worries if you're drafting based solely on injury concerns, if that's what's keeping you from doing it, you're doing it wrong. Um, he's the second best wide receiver in this draft, in my opinion. Uh, he is right now, he is wide receiver 37, so he is... Uh, top end wide receiver four, uh, overall pick ninety one. So they do believe in this kid. They do believe in him in this offense. So uh, number eight will be Trey Sermon, the running back from San Francisco. Uh, for right now, as of this recording, uh, he is basically fucked for his rookie season with uh, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson as the incumbents for this backfield. Uh, which is why he can't be listed any higher. Uh, we do know that this offense is very RB-friendly if a guy can secure the top spot and gain the largest share. It's always going to be a shared backfield. Uh, Sermon has all the ability and talent to get the job done, but it's going to take some time. Trey Sermon, RB38, pick 101. If you're getting him in the double-digit rounds, oh, 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 this kid. I like him better than J.K. Dobbins, and everybody knows from last year uh, how much I was not on J.K. Dobbins until he landed in Baltimore, right? He landed in the right system. That's why I bumped J.K. Dobbins a bit higher, even though I didn't like the kid, and he performed later in the year. RBs have to end up in the right system. It's not always about the RB talent. We love the RB talent. It's always going to be a higher lean towards whatever system that they went in. So, <clears throat> Trey Sermon, like him. Like him. Like the kid, like the spot. Uh, but I'm a little upset that, you know, might not get that much out of him out of year one. But we do know that uh, almost every single running back that plays for San Francisco gets fucking hurt. So, it is what it is. <clears throat> Terrace Marshall Jr. comes in at number nine for Carolina. 
Uh, Marshall has a lot of talent and height as well to work on the outside. It's also possible that we see him slip into the slot from time to time. Although, in my opinion, I would expect Robbie Anderson to slide into the slot on three wide sets. The defense is still not where it needs to be, and with Sam Darnold at quarterback now, it offers a better passer for Marshall and his teammates. The reason why Terrace Marshall fell was because of injury issues um, when he was at LSU. So uh, Terrace Marshall, he is way down here. Not a lot of people on him because of um, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson being in front of him. So he is currently wide receiver 72. That is a 204 pick. Um, That is basically not even drafted in a regular uh, redraft league. And I think they're wrong. I think they're wrong. I think they're wrong. Next two guys can actually be interchangeable. I have at 10, Michael Carter, the running back for the New Jersey Jets. Uh, At number 11, it's Elijah Moore, the wide receiver for the New York Jets. Uh, when it comes to Michael Carter, before you start believing the bullshit that Carter is too small to be a lead back, you should take a look at how this kid plays. He can handle the largest share in the, on the of the backfield, both on the ground between the tackles and in the flats in the passing game. He's not Javante, his former teammate, but he is really fucking good. I like Michael Carter. Uh, Michael Carter is elusive. Uh, he plays bigger than what he is. Um. But as far as trying to put him up, you know, by the top, like the top three, I can't do that. I mean, even I like Michael Carter better than I like Trey Sermon, but I like Trey Sermon's spot a lot more than Michael Carter. Um, Although I will say um, having head coach Robert Sala come from San Francisco means that they will they will be run based. A bit more now. He's probably going to share this backfield with um, Tevin Coleman and the others, but I would expect Michael Carter to be able to fill fit into a nice role. He's not going to be the pass catching back. I guarantee you, it's not going to just be him in a pass catching role. He's bigger than fucking Naheem Hines. Like if you went uh, Jonathan Taylor versus Naheem Hines, right, for the Colts backfield. He's, like, right dead nuts in between. He's not very tall, but he's not thin. But Michael Carter comes in as RB36, so an RB3, 97th pick overall, telling me I'm getting him in 10th round or later. Hell fucking yeah. Elijah Moore. I wanted the Packers to take this kid so damn bad because he is really electric, and now he is on the Jets who have been dying to get a kid of his talent on the field. He is better than both Denzel Mims and Corey Davis, and they have already said that they will move him all over the field and get him touches in the backfield. He never should have dropped into the second round of the draft, in my opinion. Um, Now, there is still talk that, um, and I'm brain farting because I've been at work all day. Uh, There is talk that Jamison Crowder is still going to be there. Um, I'm still expect we're going to watch this one because I'm still expecting Jamison Crowder to get cut before like the June 1st, you know, they do that June 1st deadline where, uh, like salaries are guaranteed. I'm still expecting him to get cut, which would open up a lot more for Elijah Moore, um, as far as targets out of the slot. Um, but we're going to have to wait and see, um, 
But Elijah Moore, uh, very good wide receiver. Love him. Love that kid. Uh, Elijah Moore comes in at wide receiver 66, pick 183. Most wide receivers in a regular redraft, uh, they're going to come super late in the draft, uh, 10th round or later, so we're not going to deal with it too much. Um, or, or worry about it too much, I should say. Uh, number 12, I have Jalen Waddle, uh, wide receiver out of Miami. I really want to like Waddle, but if there's one wide receiver I have injury concerns with, it's him. Uh, I said in the draft spreadsheet that he that he does have bust potential, and then he ended up in Miami. Yes, he is fast, but he is a complete body catcher, and if you're hoping for long Tyreek Hill-type bombs from Tua, you're going to be very unhappy. Tua is not a very good long ball passer. Um, when you look at how Jalen Waddell catches like almost every ball, basically take your take your arms, have them down to your sides, pull your arms up from your elbows straight out, and then take them and fold them up to your chest. That's how he catches almost every single fucking pass. Even when he turns completely the fuck around when he's running, he does it. It's annoying. It's annoying. Now, that's not to say that Tua can't get him the ball in the short and mid-range passing game, but NFL defenders are much faster than the ones he has seen in college. I'm not completely off him, as you can see by his top 12 player rank. Just be careful and draft him if... I. This is my opinion. Draft him if your receiving core is pretty healthy and you can take the risk on him. Now, whether or not he's going to drop to the end of the first round, uh, beginning of the second round, that's going to kind of be the, the next thing. Um, but... I mean, if they can get him straightened out, he could be a he could be he could be really special. But I just I don't see it to be completely honest with you. But because of the talent level, I can't drop him any farther. If you have concerns about him, you do not have to draft him just because he is right there. Okay, you do not have to. But like I said, if you're really good in your wide receiving core. You're pretty good everywhere else. If you're a stronger team, um, you may want to take the shot on him. Because if he does, if I'm wrong and he ends up being really, really fucking good, you're going to be really happy that you took the risk on him. Uh, Jalen Waddle comes in at wide receiver 44, pick 109. Number 13. Lucky number 13. And that sucks. That sucks. Did I give him the number? Fuck. I love the kid. I like the kid. Justin Fields, quarterback for Chicago. Uh, will probably take a couple of games before he starts, but he will start the season. He has a good offensive system to utilize his skills. Uh, he's my second-best quarterback of the NFL draft, and he's my second-best quarterback of dynasty drafts as well. Um, I, did have, I do have some concerns uh, about the coaching, the GM, you know, whether or not – they're going to be there after this year. I thought about it a little bit more. I took about a week to think about it. And I think they bought themselves another year at the very least. Um, so I don't think this is going to be one and done with the coaching staff. That's what concerns me. I don't like seeing quarterbacks uh, end up where they have to learn a new system, you know, every one or two years, right? You want a guy who can develop under the same coaching staff. So uh, Justin Fields, really good kid. Love him. 
Uh, I'm pissed that he went to the Bears, but it was a very good pick by them. Uh, he is quarterback 26, so he's outside the QB2s. Uh, pick 166, uh, very good for a best ball draft. Um, you can take him about a round or two higher. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities that he will be good for you. Uh, number 14 is Kadarius Toney, the wide receiver for the New York Giants. He's a talented receiver that fell into a terrific spot as he will likely play out of the slot. And with how no other wide receiver or tight end can stay healthy, all he has to do is stay on the field and he'll get plenty of targets from day one. How do you like them, Tiger? How do you like them? Hmm? Huh? Nobody else is going to tell you that. Nobody else is going to tell you. Yeah, he's going to get a good target share right out the gate. Because nobody else fucking knows that. Because they're all stupid. Uh, wide receiver 68 right now, 192 overall. He's end of your best balls. Um, keep that in mind, though. He can get the good, tar- he can get the good target share because the- none of the guys can stay on the field. That's huge. Opportunity is huge. Huge, I tell you. Number 15 is Zach Wilson, quarterback of the New York Jets. Uh, usually the Jets, Jets drafting quarterback would just make us roll our eyes and move on elsewhere. Uh, but with the mix of Wilson's talent and the pieces that New York has put around him, that's especially true this year, uh, makes me want to take a shot on the Mormon missile launcher. Trademark is pending on that. Um this year so quarterback he's gonna be low uh where the fuck are you okay so he's qb 28 175 overall uh definitely a best ball guy uh not somebody that we're gonna take in redrafts 16 will be trey lance oh my god i did not go through this oh i'm i'll I'll save it for the next one i'll save it for the next one uh uh Uh, Number 16 is Trey Lance, quarterback out of San Francisco. It's going to be at least a season before he makes any meaningful start, which puts him behind the top three quarterbacks, but it goes without saying that he has the most raw upside of all this year's rookie quarterbacks. He's very much the high-risk, high-reward quarterback of this draft. QB 30, 185. So it's kind of funny. I'm kind of going right in order kind of got a group it's it's funny because i had this done before i did the adps and i'm actually really good with the quarterbacks right now right on point love it love it um no i have a thing i have a thing and i said it on the live stream trey lance is uh this year's jordan love only instead of trading up and paying a 21st pick in the first round the San Francisco 49ers paid a third round pick in or a third round pick, a third overall pick in the first round uh, to get this year's Jordan Love. So my whole contention is if you're my problem is, is if you're really that high on Trey Lance, why are you not that high on Jordan Love when they're the exact same quarterback? And there is statistics showing that Trey Lance, you know, ran a lot more, but it is different offensive systems. Um, if you look at how they, they are built, uh, the throwing motion, um, how, how they move in the pocket, it, they are basically the same quarterback. So you can't, you can't love Trey Lance and hate Jordan Love. 
you can't love Jordan Love and hate Trey Lance. Except that you can make the argument that San Francisco paid way more to get Trey Lance than the Packers did to get Jordan Love. Does it make sense? I don't know. It just it, it annoys the shit out of me. I, I have a huge rant about it, but uh, maybe I'm not going to go into it. I, I think I've talked enough about it. I'm trying to stay out of this bullshit, and I, I keep roping myself back in there. Number 17 is Amon Ra St. Brown. This is Equinamia St. Brown's little brother, uh, wide receiver for Detroit. He might be the best wide receiver on the team from day one, and I don't, t- I don't say that lightly. I would want all the St. Brown I can get as he's the closest thing to Robert Woods that Jared Goff can get. Uh, and that is his direct comp comparison. Uh, that's all over. That uh, Jeff Radcliffe said it first. I'll, I'll give him that one. Uh, he is wide receiver 85, 257 overall. Uh, it's definitely defense is not back together, fully back together yet. So uh, it's going to take a year or two. Um, Amon should hit it, man. Uh, as long as he's doing his job, man, he'll hit it day one. Uh, number 18 is Diami Brown, wide receiver for Washington. Uh, people have no idea what kind of targets this kid could get when he's lined up across from Terry McLaurin and having Ryan Fitzpatrick as his quarterback. Uh, really talented wide receiver, and he's going to stick around for a while. He is a hands catcher extraordinaire. Um, and that's the funny thing. like Not a lot of people are on him, so you can actually let him drop a bit uh, in your dynasty drafts. You could probably like let him drop about another round. And you'd be all right. So 17, you're looking at about, what, mid-two, mid-second round. So you're looking at about mid-third round. You can probably still get him there. Uh, Diami Brown for Washington, 107. Uh, wide receiver, 107, 334. Amari Rogers is next at 19. He is going to be probably – he should be the primary slot receiver for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, really like this kid, and he – and it isn't going to matter if it's Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love throwing the football to him. Uh, should get plenty of targets. He'll be just he'll he'll be just like what Randall Cobb was, just like him. If you liked Randall Cobb, you're going to like the new one in Amari Rodgers. Uh, wide receiver 101, 319 overall. Josh Palmer comes in next at number 20 for the. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to say the LA Clippers, the LA Chargers. Uh, love the player, love the spot. He will probably replace wide receiver Mike Williams after a season as the team's number two and will for sure get a shot in three wide receiver sets this year. Um, he is... Oh, he's up higher. Josh Palmer is wide receiver 90. He is 287 overall. So there's a lot more people on Josh Palmer than they are on uh, Diami Brown and a little bit on Amari Rogers. So, <clears throat> Green Bay Green Bay players, you're gonna really start seeing discounts on, as long as this um, Aaron Rodgers fiasco keeps going on. So, take advantage of it, uh, especially on there, because you're getting major price drops. <sighs> Twenty one. We'll actually go through some of the ATP. I think early next week, because we're gonna have two weeks of ADP data, so we can see what the changes are. 
Uh, number 21, you're going to have Nico Collins, a wide receiver for Houston. Uh, like the landing spot for Collins since Houston is going to do nothing but throw for the next four or five years because that's how long it's going to take to get this team to a winning record based only on their defense. Oh, my goodness. I was a dickhole on that one. Uh, Nico Collins, wide receiver, 124, 388. So he's going to be dirt cheap. He's going to be somebody uh, during the season you're going to just want to watch on waivers. Uh, number 22 is Rashad Bateman. This is probably... Uh, it's probably a little bit lower than I should actually have Rashad Bateman, uh, wide receiver for Baltimore. Uh, this kid coming out of Minnesota. I really, really love this player. I really do. Um, and like I said, I'm probably way too fucking low on him. Um, so if you wanted to take, like, say, if you really want to take a shot on just pure talent, uh, you would probably just put Rashad Bateman up by, um, Jalen Waddle, end of the first round, beginning of the second round. Pure talent, not worrying about landing spot. Okay, if you're betting on the player himself, take him at the end of the first, beginning of the second. Um, what I said was, I'm still keeping my head up about Bateman's landing spot in Baltimore, as he is a better wide receiver than Sammy Watkins. And with his ability to run the short and mid-range routes, that will give him success with quarterback Lamar Jackson and give him a shot at being fantasy viable in year one. Lamar throws a lot more to the tight end, right? He throws more to the shorter routes and lets, you know, say Marquise Brown, uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown, um, really do all the work for him. So it's a good... It's a good spot based on what the quarterback does, what the, how the quarterback throws. Um, it's just the offense is so completely run heavy. Uh, that's my only concern on whether or not he's going to get any volume of anything you know, major. So uh, definitely, like I said, I'm going to be hard-pressed in a dynasty draft not to want to take him at, at the beginning of the second if I have one of those picks. I'm really... It's going to be hard. But, I mean, if you look at his landing spot and everything, end of the second round at the very latest. Um, If you're doing a dynasty rookie draft, I would gauge interest in him. Just kind of listen around, see if anybody's talking him up, and then make your decision based on that. So, Number 23 is Kenneth Gainwell running back Philadelphia. I've had to move Gainwell down, not because of him, but because the Eagles can't fucking stop themselves with wrangling up running backs like a goddamn cat lady wrangles up strays. And it's completely true. Um, They just grabbed Kerryon Johnson, who was waived from Detroit. So that's fun. That's always fun. Kenneth Gainwell is RB44, 121 overall. He is right around Naheem Hines and Jamal Williams uh, for comparison. Number 24 is Mac Jones, quarterback for New England. He may or may not get a chance to start this season for the Patriots. Your only... uh, Goddamn typos. Your only concern is that the offense Cam Newton runs and the offense that they will want Jones to run will be quite different, which may push back his progress a bit. I'd rather take the shot on Lance long-term, which is why Jones drops here. Um, 
And Mac Jones comes in at quarterback 34 to 35 overall in best ball. Number 25, we're going to start getting a little bit quicker in here. Um, I'm going to, a lot of these, I'm just going to, I'm going to click through. I'm not going to give you the ADPs because they're at the end of most of your drafts. Uh, you just take them based on how you feel. So number 25, Des Fitzpatrick, wide receiver for Tennessee. He has an opportunity to be the third wideout in the Titans offense, splitting time outside and in the slot with wide receiver Josh Reynolds. The only hiccup is that this offense is more run-based than most. Number 26, Rondale Moore, wide receiver for Arizona. I don't picture him being anything more than a return man, but he does have a shot to possibly get some targets and carries out of the backfield. So this is another one. It's a bust potential, but it's real, you know, it's it's back farther in the draft, so there's a little less risk versus the reward on there. Um, Rondell Moore is very, very fast. Um, but I just don't see how this offense really complements his skill set. It's really weird. Uh, number 27, Kyle Trask. Now, you're going to have two quarterbacks here. Kyle Trask at 27, Kellen Mond uh, at 28, Trask with Tampa Bay. Uh, backing up Tom Brady, Kellen Mond, uh, backing up Kirk Cousins. Let me go through these first. So Kyle Trask, you're going to hear a lot of folks say that Mond is above Trask because he isn't mobile. Push that aside and ask yourself who is not only the better quarterback from a pure passing skill standpoint, but who is also getting at least one season of learning from another non-mobile quarterback in Tom Brady. Kellen Mond, a really good landing spot for Mond who can learn from quarterback Kirk Cousins for the, a couple of seasons and become a more well-rounded quarterback himself. I really like the kid. I love both of these kids, okay? These these two were uh, two of my highlight ones, right, later in the draft. So if you think that Tom Brady's going to play another five years, then go with Kellen Mond. Just honestly, go with Kellen Mond. But if you're looking at pure talent and the offense that they'll be learning in, I like Trask more than I like Kellen Mond by a little bit. So it's going to be basically a preference on which quarterback you like more, okay? Also, they can get out of Kirk Cousins' contract uh, after next year. Not this year, but after next year. So there's definitely an opportunity for him to get there quicker. 29 is Chuba Hubbard, running back Carolina. Hubbard really fell into a great spot, having to back up Christian McCaffrey with no other running backs on the roster that can come close to his upside. Love the spot. Not great on the player, but he can learn He can learn from Christian McCaffrey. That's great. Uh Number 30 is Khalil Herbert, the running back from Chicago. The attention is on Hubbard as CMC's backup, which means there's a lot of folks not noticing Herbert as David Montgomery's best backup option once Damian Williams leaves after this next year. He never should have dropped the sixth round of the draft. He should have been a fourth, fifth rounder. Khalil Herbert is very, very good. 31, Dwayne Eskridge, wide receiver Seattle, has a chance to be the team's third wide receiver right out of the gate. It should switch back and forth with Tyler Lockett between the outside and slot wide receiver spots. Fell into a good spot. Uh, is still more of a run-based offense. 32, Pat Fryermuth, tight end for Pittsburgh, second-best tight end in this draft, and although he will probably not be nothing more than a blocker this season for the Steelers, he will be valuable to this offense in future years. 
uh, once Evan Ingram leaves, of course. 33, Jamar Jefferson. Running back Detroit with Carrion Johnson gone. That gives him a great shot at backing up Swift and Williams in this Detroit backfield. Uh, very talented running back. Uh, definitely has a shot. We know Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift can't stay on the field, so he will have a shot to play this year. 34 is Kylan Hill running back uh, Green Bay. Hill has a real shot to back up Jones and Dylan here in Green Bay and does have the same skill set as former Packers running back Jam- running back. Running back Jamal Williams, who left for Detroit this offseason. 35, taking a shot on this Jared Dokes, uh, running back for Miami. Uh, Dokes was off my radar, and with every other running back in front of him being an injury risk, he has a chance to get a shot at the top two spots in this backfield. I don't have great hope for him long term, but there are worse running backs to take a shot on. Uh, you do not have to take him at the end of the third round. You could probably get him at the very end of your draft, to be completely honest, because nobody knows who the fuck Jared Dokes is. Uh, 36, Anthony Schwartz, wide receiver, Cleveland. Completely raw and still uh, and will need a lot of things to happen for him to be a stable target for quarterback Baker Mayfield uh, really, really fast. That is his attributes. 37 is 2-2 Atwell outside of being a return man for the Rams. I don't see Atwell making that big of an impact for the for them. Uh, 38, Trey McKitty, tight end, L.A. Chargers. Chargers drafting McKitty means they are not sold on either Donald Parham or Steven Anderson, which means he has a shot to replace Jared Cook after the season as their tight end one. McKitty is a guy you would have to grab this high in your draft since everyone tends to grab them towards the end of the draft, so maybe the second to last round, just kind of drop jump on it. Uh, 39, Kylan Granson, tight end, Indianapolis. Has a chance here in a crowded tight end group. Uh, but unlike most of those guys, he can slip into the slot and utilize his abilities as a move tight end, and we do know how they have uh, wide receiver issues with injuries there in Indianapolis, so he definitely, definitely has a shot there. 40 is Ramondre Stevenson running back for New England. Patriots are rumored to possibly move on from Sonny Michel because of Stevenson. The only other problem is the other running backs on the team and the way they utilize him. He has a possible future here, but he will be frustrating. 41, Amir Smith-Marset, wide receiver, Minnesota. I'm not the biggest fan, but he has a shot to do something with the Vikings since their depth chart is so bare. Uh, That means opportunity. 42, Tylen Wallace, very disappointed that he got drafted by Baltimore. I really like Wallace, but he's going to have to show that he can replace either Sammy Watkins or Marquise Brown on the outside. 43 is Shai Smith, wide receiver for Carolina. Has a shot to stick around if he can show he is a possible replacement for Robbie Anderson at some point. 44 is Daz Newsome, wide receiver for Chicago. I'm not a big fan of him if you listen to the podcast, but outside of Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney, there isn't much else at wide receiver, so he actually has a really good opportunity. He could be Darnell Mooney of this year. So Daz Newsome, if you're drafting anybody who's in my area, southeast Wisconsin, uh, you know the Bears fans are probably going to grab onto him, so you may have to go around earlier, uh, if, especially if you don't like what you see in that uh, fourth round. 45 is C.B. Fihoko, wide receiver for Dallas. Has a shot if Michael Gallup leaves a free agency to make a difference. It's a nice offense if he gets a chance. 46 is Elijah Mitchell, running back San Francisco. He's going to need a lot of injuries or teammates leaving via free agency to have a shot here. I'm not big on Elijah Mitchell. Ever. 47. Keeney Ngungwe. <laughs> in Wangwu. 
I say in Wangwu, running back Minnesota. Not a fan of the old Mike <laughs> Mike Boone or the new one. That's who his comp is. Uh, 48 is Brevin Jordan, tight end from Houston. I'm not a Brevin Jordan guy because he is a terrible receiver, and how many tight ends does Houston really need? Um, but we do know that he will get the shot there. 49 is Jalen Darden, wide receiver for Tampa Bay. A really good wide receiver. Really good. I love him. Uh, completely buried on the Buccaneers' depth chart. So use that to your advantage uh, late in drafts. Cornell Powell. Wide receiver KC has a shot to be a role player, but nothing more. Uh, 51 is Dax Milne, wide receiver for Washington. He has a shot to be a role player with Washington in the slot. He's not terrible. 52 is Frank Darby, the wide receiver for Atlanta. I just can't let anyone draft the Kalen Balazs wide receivers any higher. He is not as good as what he's being propped up to as. Uh, and that holds true. 53 is Ian Book, quarterback from New Orleans. He will have a long uphill climb to ever get the top quarterback spot here in New Orleans. But I do like him more than any other quarterback listed behind him. That's why I kind of had to have the separation in here. 54, Chris Evans, why, uh, running back Cincinnati. He has the potential to be Mixon's backup in Cincy, uh, but in my eyes he'll never make it uh, as an actual starter. 55, Gary Brightwell, running back, New York Giants. The best he can do this season is be third in line for touches unless Barkley gets in, gets another season-ending injury. Uh, not big, not really high on him. 56 is Larry Roundhill, uh, Roundtree, uh, Roundtree the third running back, L.A. Chargers. I didn't like him before the draft, and I certainly am not going to like him for the Chargers with who is in front of him on the depth chart. 57 is Marquez Stevenson, wide receiver for Buffalo. Can we just fucking get... Gabriel Davis on the field first before worrying about a six-round wide receiver. 58 is Quan Baker, wide receiver New Orleans. Not the wide receiver we are looking for in the Big Easy. 59, Jalen Camp, wide receiver Jacksonville. Camp actually has potential here, but I wouldn't see him as more of a wide receiver three at best for Jacksonville, uh, if that. 60, Racy McMath, wide receiver for Tennessee. The worst wide receiver to get drafted out of LSU in a while. <laughs> Pardon me. I can't recommend this kid uh, with a straight face. He makes me sneeze. Uh, 61, Demetric Felton, wide receiver slash running back. Cleveland, pure athlete, not a wide receiver or a running back. He's going to get a shot in this offense, but he's increasingly raw, and opportunities are going to be light. 62, Ben (laughs) Skolrenek. Wide receiver, L.A. Rams. Being drafted in the seventh round is kind of a slap in the face for this kid. He's at least a sixth-round talent. Doom-doom, that's a joke. Uh, 63 is Seth Williams, wide receiver, Denver. Crowded, but you could take a shot on worse. Uh, 64, Mike Stratton, wide receiver, Indianapolis. It's not that I don't like the kid. It's just that it's a terrible landing spot. 65, Jacob Harris, wide receiver, L.A. <laughs> LA Rams. Nope. Uh, 66, Jake Funk, running back for the LA Rams. I never included him in the draft spreadsheet because I thought someone was fucking with me. Don't draft the Funk, especially if you're drunk. 67, Trey Nixon, wide receiver for New England. If the Patriots couldn't get a... (laughs) The Patriots couldn't get a first-round wide receiver to work in this offense, what are the chances the seventh-rounder will be successful? 68, Zach Davidson, tight end, Minnesota. I kind of like the spot for Davidson, but I wouldn't draft him any higher than the last round. Uh, He's my highest of the the back-end tight ends. 
6,900, long tight end for Miami. I'm tired of tight ends in Miami. I like Hunter, but this was a bad spot for him. Uh, should get an opportunity on the field with his blocking, though. He's a big dude. Uh, 70, Noah Gray, tight end, Kansas City. I don't see him having success before the team gives up on him. He is not Kelsey's future replacement. 71, Luke Farrell, tight end, uh, Jacksonville. He's gone in two seasons like a feral fucking cat. Uh, 72, John Bates, tight end, Washington. Blocking tight end, pass. 73, Tommy Tremble, tight end for Carolina. He's not terrible, but he's nothing more than a blocking tight end, which brings us absolutely no value. 74, Davis Mills, quarterback for Houston. Uh, the court, like I said before, the quarterback to run your 80s style pro offense, and I mean, he is really, really fucking terrible. 75 is Sam Ellinger, quarterback for Indianapolis. I put Ellinger behind Mills because I'm an asshole, and he's going to have to fuck, and he's going to fuck over my guy, Jacob Eason, in Indianapolis. Uh, last but certainly not least is 76 is Ben Mason, fullback for Baltimore. Uh, there always has to be a fullback on the list. I fucking demand it, even as a joke. Undrafted free agents that I have interest in. These are the players that have a real shot at making teams and actually have a shot at being fantasy viable in the future for right now. These would be guys that would be last-round picks, last two rounds. It all kind of depends on how far down, how many rounds your draft does um, to even consider a lot of these guys. Um, like, say, Carrie, Carrie Angeline, the tight end for Arizona, has an opportunity there, um, but I wouldn't take him anywhere less than or anything more than the last round. Caleb Huntley, running back for Atlanta, has opportunity. Um, Pro Wells, tight end for Cincinnati, has opportunity there. Uh, real shitty tight end um, grouping there. Uh, Caleb Huntley running back. Of course, we know for Atlanta, they don't really have any running backs. Uh, Josh <laughs> Imitor Bebe, wide receiver for Jacksonville, uh, has opportunity there. But again, nothing more than a last-round pick. Tamorian Terry, wide receiver for Seattle. I love Tamorian Terry. He's a kid out of FSU. Uh, very, very fast. He, he fits the offense that they're trying to run with the wide receivers. Um uh, with Lockett and Metcalf, to be completely honest with you. Uh, Javian Hawkins, running back for Atlanta. He's more of a third down back. He's the little guy. Caleb Huntley's the bigger guy. Um, so you can take a shot on one of those two for the Atlanta backfield. Uh, Puka Williams Jr., running back for Cincinnati. He's a third down back uh, type of guy. I will always include Puka Williams. I don't give a shit what the fuck Paul Burkle says. Fuck him. Uh, Sage Surratt. Wide receiver for Detroit. This is one to really watch because I loved Sage Surratt where he was going to go. I said he should be a fifth rounder, um, and then he ended up not getting drafted, and then he fell into a spot with Detroit, which is great because the wide receiver, a lot of the wide receivers in front of him, aren't just are just either not that good or should be gone. Right, uh, Kenny, ya boy. Uh, tight end for New York Jets. I think you could take a shot there. I don't know if Chris Herndon is really going to get the job done this year. And, of course, last but certainly not least, and the guy who should be fighting for a roster, a good roster spot is Jarrett Patterson running back for Washington. I think at some point you're going to see Antonio Gibson and Jarrett Patterson be the one-two in Washington.
But that is it, my friends. That is your Dynasty Rookie Rankings. I'll take a look and see if I'll update them uh, once a month. But until then, (sighs) I'll be back on. I'll be back on at least fucking Monday. I'll have something out again. Uh, We'll get moving on. We're going to kill this fucking season. Have a good one.